welcome to another compelling episode of the Worthy for 30 podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tash. Today, I am joined by the inimitable Karen Khan, the founder and CEO of iPhone Women. In the world of entrepreneurship, there's a staggering statistic. Female founders receive just 1.9% of all VC funding. Karen has not only recognized this issue, but has taken action. Through her crowdfunding platform, iFund Women, she and her team have raised over $400 million for over 20,000 startups founded by women, which have impacted the lives of 80,000 people through job creation since iFund Women was founded in 2016. Join us for a fascinating and necessary conversation as we delve into Karen's journey from leaving the corporate world, having worked at Google and AOL, to launching a platform that's rewriting the narrative of funding for female entrepreneurs. This is a discussion that will reshape your perspective on the power of grass support in business. Karen, welcome to Worthy for 30. Thank you, Eric. Can I ask you a question? What is Worthy for 30 all about? I, I will tell you. So as we know, as we have a mutual good friend in common, uh, Jeff Ragavan, uh, who's also a guest and supporter of the show, I've come across a lot of incredible people who are doing well professionally and also make a point to do good. So, and then at the same time, I'm a sports fan and there's ESPN has a 30 for 30, a documentary series. And I'm like, okay, is there a way that I can play with this? And then I thought of, okay, what about worthy for 30? So these people that I'm speaking with are worthy for the 30 minutes of, of your attention or sometimes it, 30 minutes. That yes. was the metric. I should have asked a much more concise question, yeah. which is what's the 30 metric? Yes. Great. 30 minutes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So Karen, as I mentioned in the introduction, female entrepreneurs are, are woefully underfunded by from, from an institutional capital perspective. So venture capital. Um, what was the, the, the inflection point when you were working at Google, when Google just bought YouTube? What made you think that I need to start a business that supports female founders? Well, the inflection point was not necessarily when Google acquired YouTube in 06. It was more the inflection point with when I started iPhone Women was I was a woman founder after Google, after YouTube, after AOL, 2014, I decided to start a business. Okay. And that business was a video-based conversation platform made for women without the trolls. It was a business that I wanted to start at YouTube back in the olden days for a million reasons. They didn't start the business. And so I put it in my back pocket, the idea, and I decided to start it after I left AOL. So I was a woman founder who had this incredible pedigree of growing up at Google. I could get the meetings with the big VCs and they were gracious enough to take the meetings, but I just literally could not raise capital. Nobody was writing a check. I would get second meetings, third meetings, definitely, you know, strung along a bit. I don't think that there were any of the VCs that I met with who were all lovely and gracious. They weren't trying to string me along. I think they were actually trying to find a way to make it work. But the reality is the algorithms, whether it's in venture capital or in banking, were, are and were completely stacked against women founders. So that was when I thought, well, wow, if it's this hard for me, a privileged white woman from Google in New York City who can get the meetings and who people want to fund, if it's this hard for me to raise venture capital, how hard must it be for my you know, sisters of color who are 89% 
of the net new businesses that are started in the in the in the country every day. Eighteen hundred net new businesses are started. Eighty nine percent of those businesses are started by women of color, Eric. So if it was this hard for me as this privileged white lady, how hard must it be for the other entrepreneurs who don't have the access that I have? And so I pivoted startup number one. I was like, y'all, we're shutting this down. We're starting a funding company. And that was the reason for iFund Women. I, I, I was my own customer. I still am my own customer. But I think what you're thinking about is when Google acquired YouTube, I went from selling search ads to monetizing video ads. And the problem that I needed to solve in my business life was I needed to come up with ways to sell advertising, to, to drive revenue to the creators beyond spots and dots, beyond the pre-roll, because that just wasn't going to keep the cameras rolling. Me and a couple other rogue folks at uh, Google who had been there forever and had already, like, we weren't worried about getting in trouble. I was like, we need to figure out a different way to drive money to these creators. And so we did the first ever branded entertainment, native video ads on the web, which were product placements. And we started doing these massive eight-figure deals easily with Pepsi and HP and the list goes on to fund creators in a way that wasn't pre-roll ads. And that was fabulous. Like that was like, awesome. We invented something cool, 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 making money, blah, blah, blah. But then I was like, wait a minute, like where are all my ladies at? The brands wanted to align with creators that had scale. And I know you know exactly what this means and I'm sure so does your audience. And at the time, at YouTube, it was still pretty nascent. We're talking 2007. There weren't enough female creators. This was before the Michelle Fons and the Bethany Modas and all like, this sounds so like, really? There are so many huge women on YouTube, but like there really weren't at the beginning. The endemic YouTube creative audience was was men, um, young men, and and which is fine, but it was just, um, I couldn't find a creator with enough scale to package it up to an advertiser and sell a branded entertainment deal. So it was in that kind of moment where I was like, all right, that's what gave me the idea to start YouTube for women. Okay. Right. Yes. It wasn't about like, I need funding, uh, like direct funding for women entrepreneurs. That wasn't the insight. Then it became, it, it, there's a very clear path from there to here, which is today. Um, but I didn't know it then. But that's when I started my sort of uh, journey to making sure that women had equal opportunities to monetize as our male counterparts do. Excellent. Thank you for the timeline. So you you, you founded that, that YouTube for Women business. Uh, and again, preparing for this conversation, you, you felt forward, right? You, 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 you didn't take this as a, as a stumbling block. You're like, okay, there's a, there's a way that I can pivot this into another business. Can you explain that that process? Because again, some could, some entrepreneurs are they're putting, as you know, they're putting blood, sweat, tears, money into a business to get it off the ground. How did you again reframe that experience in a startup one into startup two, which is now iPhone Women? It's a great question, and I love how you asked that, um, Eric. I failed forward, but I did not fail fast or cheap. I will say, um, I failed long and expensive, and I put too much of my own money into the first startup. But that's okay. We ran startup number one, the video platform for two years, and we over-engineered it. We didn't do enough testing. We, you know, our MVP, it took too long to get it out there. Uh, Reed Hoffman has a great saying that I always love that if you're not mortified 
by your minimally viable product, your MVP, you're too late. And he's so right. Another saying that I love is perfect is the enemy of done. You know, everything for me, like brand was everything. And, and meanwhile, we didn't have a customer or a, or a user, like there was nothing, but I was like, we need every bell and whistle. We need every feature we need, blah, blah, blah. So besides for the funding, which we couldn't get, and that's the main reason why we failed. Um, I made a million found rookie founder mistakes that, you know, you learn and you fail forward from those. So at the end of the day, at the end of the two years, we were not going to make payroll. And I was like, I'm not putting any of my own money into this thing. We're going to do a Kickstarter to make payroll. Like how hard could that be? I was very, um, I'm not an arrogant person, but at that point, I think I was just like so desperate. And I think like, I looked like the emoji with the spirally eyes, you know, that emoji. I was that person. I was like, let's do a Kickstarter. (laughs) This seems easy, whatever you put up. And this is what everyone thinks with crowdfunding. You put up a campaign, you have a cool video and magical money elves just come raining funding down from the sky, Eric. And it's beautiful. And you go off and you live a fabulous life. Well, also crowdfunding back then was dominated by male creators in gaming, consumer tech, and uh, film. So the speaker cooler, the Pebble Watch, the Veronica Mars movie, any of this ringing a bell? Mm-hmm. Like I have a, I was talking about this someone with yesterday and they were like, oh my God, I totally bought a speaker cooler and never got it. And I was like, <laughs> great. Um, but that's what, that's what, anyway, so yet I digress. But so as a Hail Mary to save the company, we did a Kickstarter and we raised $30,000, which was, I have to tell you the hardest thing I've ever done. I originally wanted to have our goal a hundred thousand and my partner at the time, her best friend was founder Yancey. I always forget his name, last name, the founder of Kickstarter's assistant at the time. And my partner was like, dude, I am not participating in this Kickstarter. If we have a goal that is a hundred thousand dollars, like we can't do that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Of course we can. She's like, we really can't. And also it's all or nothing. So what if we raise 95, then we don't get it. I was like so irritated. I was like, fine, you set the goal. So she set it at 30,000. I'm like, you're such a wuss. I was like giving her shit about it. Meanwhile, thank God, Sarah Summers, shout out. Thank God that you forced us to do that because we were, it was a struggle city. It was struggle city to get that done until I realized that crowdfunding is just sales and marketing. So the first couple of days were excruciating. There was no funding. There were no magical money elves. There was no funding coming in and I had done no due diligence on crowdfunding. I'm like, this should be easy. How hard could this be? It wasn't until I realized like, oh, this is just dialing for dollars. The more sales calls you make, the more money you're going to make. And it doesn't matter if your rewards have anything to do with your business. Sell stuff to people that they want to buy, do very targeted marketing to them, i.e. blow up their phones, um, DM, you know, I am whatever I was using at the time and get it done. Thousand dollars in thirty days, a thousand dollars a day for thirty days. So, I'm a salesperson. My first job was an inside sales job, um, selling tickets to a Jacob Javits Convention Center uh, fashion trade show, and I had to make eighty phone calls a day. This was my first job out of college. I'm not kidding. I was like a like a like a telemarketer, and so I just have no problem getting and just like dialing for dollars. When we raised the thirty grand, all of a sudden I lifted my head up and I was like, wait a minute. Why isn't everybody talking about crowdfunding as the first stop on the funding journey to prove demand for your product or service before you invest in supply? 
And by supply, I mean wasting years of your life trying to chase an equity round or investing in inventory or, you know, overbuilding a tech solution before you even had any customers. So instead of doing it as a Hail Mary to sell the company, why aren't people doing it as their first round of capital? And why isn't there a platform for women? And so it was in that moment where I was like, people, and by the way, I'm yelling to three people, Sarah, Kate, and Shilpa, uh, we're, we're sunsetting VProud, like literally sunsetting it. We are standing up a crowdfunding platform for women. I went and bought the URL um, in September, I believe, of 2016 from GoDaddy for $2.99, mm-hmm. which was <clears throat> at once a joyous moment because I got the name I wanted. But the, at the other, uh, the other sort of part of it was I was like, oh, shit, like no one cares about funding women entrepreneurs. Like ifundwomen.com is available. And like with no, I was like, all right, I'm just going to look at the bright side and buy the URL. And we put together a Frankenstein of an MVP. This thing, girlfriend was so ugly. We called her Frankenstein. She was on a WordPress site with a crowdfunding plugin. We had some super pretty product marketing pages that were on a different domain on Squarespace. This is not an ad. This is a true ass story. Slack had just sort of started. Um, and so we had a Slack group for, uh, customer service. And that was iFundWomen. It worked. Like that's the long and the short. It worked. We had 20 beta customers who we sourced from Facebook back then. It was like 2016. You know, I had my like little Facebook page, wasn't anything, you know, big. And I put up a post and I was like, Hey, uh, women entrepreneurs, does anyone need funding? And do you want to try our MVP of our crowdfunding platform? It's probably going to break, but we'll make your video for you for free. And we'll teach you how to do it because it's not rocket science. It's just sales and marketing. And we had 200 applications on our little form in a day, which I, another sort of shocking moment. I was like, oh shit. Like I, I knew there was like a massive systemic problem called the funding gap um, where, you know, women owned businesses raise at this point, 1.9% of VC, 1.9%. We get lower loan amounts at higher rates. Um, you know, our credit scores are lower. The list goes on about why the funding gap exists. Um, I knew it was a thing and the data was there, but there's nothing like seeing 200 applications from badass business women in your little Facebook form for your shitty crowdfunding platform that that probably was going to break, which it didn't by the grace of God, but that were like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Like talk about like desperately needing funding. So that that's the origin story, Eric. That's, that's the pivot. That's the origin story. And yeah, I think one thing for your listeners to punctuate is I am a very fortunate person in that, you know, I'm at the very top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So um, I'm also a self-made wealthy person. Meaning when I started my first startup, I already had made my money. So mortgage, didn't have a mortgage, kids college paid like my basic needs. And then some were not a worry. And I'm very grateful about that. Um, I earned it. I'm self-made. I didn't come from rich family, blah, 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 whatever. It doesn't matter. But my point is, is that I don't think I would have become a business owner if I did not have my kids and family and all the money taken care of, because you don't make any money. Like I still personally, like 
barely make any money. My salary is very low. You don't make money as an entrepreneur for for the most part until you exit IPO, period. You just don't. So um, it was a very privileged position to be in to start a company and then to pivot and start another one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I just want to like, because there's a lot of entrepreneurship porn out there. Like people make like, I'm look fabulous and I probably make it look easy. I'm like, yeah, I just pivoted, blah, blah, blah. But underlying all of that was not up at night worrying about how I was going to feed my family. So I just need it to be clear that this is not any entrepreneurship is a really hard path for both men and women. This is like a gender agnostic moment now. It's a super hard path. I would say like pivoting into just some like advice for your listeners who are thinking about entrepreneurship or who want to start a business. I think it's great if you want to start a business. I'm talking to like ladies and dudes, people of all genders. This is for you. Do not go into debt funding your startup. Do not quit your good paying day job with the great benefits. If you are passionate about something, do it in your spare time. Pull all nighters, do it on weekends. If you really love it, it will work and you'll do it. And then all of a sudden you'll have customers. And guess what? Then you have a business. You do not have a business until you have customers who are paying you for your product or service. And nobody tells you that. <laughs> nobody tells you that. They really don't. So, Right. Right. No, they, 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 it is, it's great advice. Great insight. Yes. Uh, to reiterate Karen's point, you know, entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. It's not what, you know, again, uh, social media curates the, the high points of entrepreneurship, you know, what, what Karen is talking about is the, how the sausage is made, uh, which is, takes a ton of work, a ton of time, a ton of sweat, a ton of money in, in, in some, uh, some instances. Um, you know, I, I think that's uh, great advice uh, for, for anyone who's, you know, thinking about or has started a business. But one point that you do bring up, Karen, which is, is super interesting is, you know, 1.9% of VC funding, uh, oh, so, excuse me, female uh, entrepreneurs represent 1.9% of VC funding. And can you give us a sense of that pie of how big in like 2022, 2023, how much mo institutional capital was invested in startups across the board? $300 billion. $300 billion, 1.9%. And then that number gets even 1 smaller. 1.9% goes to women-owned companies. So companies with mixed gender co-founder teams mm -hmm. do really well. I think they're in like the 12 to 15%. Fine. Um, but yeah, so um, iFundWomen is an all-woman founded company. You know, I can name a bunch off the top of my head, but yeah. So yes, 1.9%. And we've gone backwards. We were at 2.8% in the heyday of 2018 or 2019. Uh, and yeah, we've gone progressively backwards. It's, it's bad. And women of color entrepreneurs represent, now they represent, I mean, this is the only, this isn't even good news. This is like, like these words escaping my lips is it's, it's just insane. So women of color entrepreneurs represent 1%, whereas white women entrepreneurs are the 0.9%. That's my only sort of like, I can't even call it good news, but at least, I don't know. I'm just going to shut up. I'm going to STF you because it's not, it's, it's so disgusting. It's a rounding error. We're a rounding error. It's, 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 it's outrageous. So, but that's why I fund women exists. That's why we have a business. It's, it's why you have a business. It's a, a, you have this incredible crowdfunding business, um, but you've also expanded. It's not just a, hey, I'm a, I started a business and I just want to list my crowdfunding campaign. Can you explain some of the, 
the other services and products that iFund Women offers uh, female entrepreneurs? Yes, absolutely. So our MVP was a crowdfunding platform, and we realized very quickly that crowdfunding, A, was not going to keep the lights on for iFund Women, and B, is not going to solve the funding gap problem. There's really no one silver bullet that's going to solve the problem. It, it's going to take a lot of things to change. And so we started with crowdfunding, which of course we still have. Um, another way we drive funding to entrepreneurs are through large enterprises. So iFund Women is a two-sided marketplace, right? So on one side, we have uh, all the women-owned businesses. There are 13 million here in the US alone and 162 million in, uh, globally in markets that we serve, okay? This is the little marketplace. And on the other side of the marketplace, you've got funders. You've got individual funders coming in that are going to fund your crowdfunding campaign. And we've got institutional and enterprise-level funders that are going to come in and we're going to deploy grants for them through our platform to women entrepreneurs who are our members. And so we do that through uh, through our data stack. That's our sort of our, our little gold mine that we have going on. That's the asset. We have deployed more grants than any other for-profit company to women entrepreneurs, which is very exciting. We So for example, Visa. Visa will say to us, all right, we want to um, reach women in Ireland who are in consumer tech, um, retail, uh, D2C retail, blah, blah, blah. We can then go through our database and programmatically serve up opportunities for Visa, and then we will deploy the grants um, for them. Mm-hmm. Or we can say, let's do a let's do an application specifically for this, and we will put on an application. People will apply. We will curate, and Visa will pick the winners. Very important to note: we don't share our proprietary data with anybody. Visa, Unilever, Comcast, nobody give them opportunity. We give them sort of semi-finalist briefs, sort of like tear sheets. Like this is, you know, Eric's business and he, you know, publicly available information. Here's his video that he submitted. Um, Here's, you know, his business pitch, blah, blah, blah. So we are connecting entrepreneurs with brands and enterprises that want to support them specifically. And at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're driving customers to Visa. Visa wants merchants. So we're driving customers to Visa they're making very deep relationships and women entrepreneurs are getting funding. And that's the, that's our number one core KPI at iPhone women is funding volume for women. So the enterprises have really come in and just ignited the funding flywheel on iPhone women. Cause we had crowdfunding and we, our second product is a coaching product, which is an ed tech we built. It's basically startup school. Um, it's a subscription product where you can obviously learn how to crowdfund. You can learn how to do, you know, tech product for non-technical founders, do your business plan. There's 35 different things we coach on privately. We also have um, a VOD workshop library, which is 200 hours of um, on-demand video learning, startup learning. Um, and we started that product. That was our second product because we realized in the beta, all of our Slack customer service was lit up by like, do how do I advertise my crowdfunder? And I was like, well, I'm the, I'm the customer service. I'm like, regular ads aren't going to work. You need to do retargeting. Randoms aren't going to click on your thing and fund your campaign. And they're like, what's retargeting? We're talking to like, th- these were, you know, uh, women across multiple sectors. They weren't from advertising, right? So I was like, oh God, okay, great. So let's just jump on a Google Hangout. I'm going to share a screen and I'm going to show you how to do retargeting. And they're going to like, you know, another question was, how do we track our funders? Oh, just put your GA code and your, you know, Facebook pixel in your page. They're like, again, what do, what are you even talking about, lady? 
shared the screen, got on the Google Hangout with a group of people. And I was like, all right, I set up more Google Analytics accounts. My Google like uh, accounts were like a hot mess for a really long time. So that was the that was the impetus for us creating an ed tech. And we have found that the women who invest in the coaching raise 27 times more when they go to crowdfund on the platform than women who go it alone. When you think about it, we started with crowdfunding, then we introduced the coaching, which totally juiced the funding flywheel on iFund Women. And then the enterprises came in. The enterprises were doing monetary grants and coaching grants. And those coaching grants would then teach people how to crowdfund. So it was so this virtuous cycle of funding, at, you know, the ecosystem was really, well, the flywheel is really what it is. Sorry to be all jargony, but the flywheel really goes round and round. And, and those three things are critical. Like we couldn't do it without the coaching. We definitely couldn't do it without the enterprise money, but it's all kind of happening with all of it blending together in a beautiful potpourri of funding. Wow, Eric, that was quite the plane landing. Yeah, quite, quite the plane landing. Yeah. Like, I, I think people understand the flywheel people, you know, my listeners, I think, you know, are, are, are Amazon, Amazon customers and, and, and proficient in understanding how Amazon works and, and creating that, that customer merchant flywheel. So totally understand, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing. And with the marketplace. And here I thought your audience was these like under 30 peeps. I'm like, cool. <laughs> That's why I was like, what's a 34? What's a 34? Exactly. Exactly. It's like, uh, yeah, it's uh, what was this flywheel again? Where, where do I buy one? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, That's funny. No, and, and what you also bring up, uh, Karen, is the power of data, right? Because Visa and some of these big uh, enterprise level companies are coming to you and saying, hey, we want to support uh, female founders, uh, female entrepreneurs. Um, and you're, again, you, you have this proprietary data where you can, you can play matchmaker. And what's also awesome too, I imagine, you know, as I like to say, you know, they're, they're the companies who have double bottom lines. So it's the, the profit, you know, again, there's a business imp implication, but also doing good implication. Yeah. It's what sort of, driven marketing. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, I was just going to ask, you know, in terms of, again, Providing the funding again, visa to yes, is it a visa to the backing the female founders? Is the KPI or or the impact more merchants on the platform, or are there other sort of qualitative metrics that you're reporting back to Visa? I'm just using them as an example or another enterprise customer to show a hey beyond the money. This is the type of impact that you're having. Hundred percent, hundred percent, absolutely. So we do an impact study every year. Now we're doing it multiple times a year because we have we have the scripts written and it's it's easier for us to do this. We just actually ran a study, which is fascinating. What happened? So every year, the women who come on the platform and raise capital, they're considered a cohort. So for example, in our beta cohort, our 2017 year, which was really our first, we launched you know eight weeks before uh, 2017. So we considered our beta and 2017, our first year. So in that first year, 2017 people, how much did they raise crowdfunding? Okay. In that one year, first year. And then where are they now in terms of how many grants they've received? How much VC have they gotten? And what's their whole funding picture? Okay. That data is very, very interesting. And we can get really granular to like, okay, Visa. Visa started with us in 2019 pardon me, in 2020. So for the Visa cohort, cohort X in 2020, you supplied X amount of funding 
X amount of coaching grants, where has that cohort of women gone on to, to what are their business metrics? And importantly, like, where's their funding at? That is a hundred percent the story that we always want to be telling. We always want to be tracking those metrics. And yeah, since we've started, since iFundWomen has launched, we have empowered 20,000 startups to raise north of $400 million in capital that they would have not had access to otherwise if we didn't hang up a little shingle that said, we give a shit. And those 20,000 businesses have gone on to create 85,000 new jobs. So yeah, those impact metrics are darn important, especially for our enterprise customers who um, renew with us every year and put more money in. And, you know, this is, this is great for everybody. It's a really, it's a win, win, win. Oh, it's a, it's, you couldn't, could not have said it better. One of my last questions, Karen, is, you know, you, you mentioned the, the trajectory of, of where you started and where you are now with iPhone women. Um, there's a great Steve Jobs quote. Um, you can connect the dots looking forward. You can always look, uh, you can only connect them looking backwards. So are there specific dots looking back on your past, uh, your past to, from where you started to where you are now, where in isolation, you're like, ah, oh, God, uh, what does this mean? You know, like you're trying to understand the significance, but now that you've gotten to this point and you're looking backwards, are you able to, to clearly understand how powerful those dots were? And you were able to then connect them to get to uh, both yourself as well as iPhone women to where it is today. Oh my goodness. What a good, first of all, I hadn't heard that quote. I love learning new things. What a great question. And if I'm being really honest with you, and this is, I'm not saying this is the right way to do it because it's not actually, I can certainly, when I reflect back on the seven years and I think about, okay, what are the patterns of things that I did well that can be, that we continue to replicate? And th that's like the easy thought process. Cause like, that's almost like rote, like you're, no, you know, what works, right? Cause data. But I think the larger question of what you're asking is when I look back, what are the patterns of things that really shouldn't be re replicated? Right. Um, and, and how do I learn from them? And that is a real practice for me, you know, be, it's, it's funny you ask that because I do a lot of reflection, um, a lot more than I used to. I still make some of the same stupid ass mistakes that I was making two, three, four years ago. I, I think I, I think I finally stopped. I think actually this year, 2023 has been a year of real clarity and uh, wisdom that is being applied. I don't think I could have answered it in that way before 2023. So I think that um, I'm excited about all the seeds we've planted in 2023. I'm excited about seeing where those grow. I know that they are healthy seeds. And yeah, I love that question. I think it's, um, it's probably going to be different for everybody. I think that if you're more operational, you probably learn a lot faster and don't make the same mistakes multiple times. I am more, I, I lead with my, I am a, an EQ. I am an empath. I am a GSD. I am a, I am a visionary. I can see the future. I'm not operational. I'm not the process person. Uh, so it, those types of things have posed to be consistent challenges, right? I know how to solve them now. And the solve may not necessarily be me as a human. The solve could be, could be 
funding Barbie number two, who comes in and is CEO of the company or is great COO or, you know, any, any, any variation of, of, of that. But no, it's a, it's a, a very it's a, good question. Thank, thank you. It's a great answer and great perspective. Cause what, what I'm also hearing uh, throughout this conversation uh, and we can talk for hours, Karen is um, the high level of self-awareness. You mentioned EQ, um, but the fact that you're kind to not just other people, but you're kind to yourself first. You talk about reflections, like how can I be kind to myself first? Because if I'm not kind to myself first, then how can I serve other people, right? It, it, that's what I've come to realize. Like you, you mentioned you know, the introspection and the reflection. I'm like, wait, if I, if I want to be kind to other people, I need to forgive myself. I made a mistake and, I ma- and I'm going to make that same mistake over and over again, but I can't beat myself up over it. That you nailed it. That's a mic drop. You nailed it. And again, for all you kids who are listening, I'm 49 years old. I've been at this for seven years for, at iPhone Women, uh, entrepreneur for nine. And I'm just, I've just crossed the path, just crossed the border in 2020, 2023. We rang in 2023 with Karen being kind to herself and forgiving herself for all the stupid ass founder mistakes that I've made. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself faster than I did. That's for for sure. Yes. Great, great inspiration. And Karen, I'd like to end on how can we help iFund women? First, where can we find iFund women so we can learn and, and, and engage, but who would you like to talk to? You mentioned Visa and some enterprise clients. Is, is it, is it those folks? Is it the, the female entrepreneur who's about to start their new business? Let us know. All right. I'm going to answer your question. Here's where you can find us. And here's how we need help because we do. So I'm going to be very direct. Okay. First and foremost, for any entrepreneur out there, and we are human agnostic. Of course, we focus on women because women get no funding. We have plenty of men on the platform mm-hmm. and it's and mixed gender co-founder teams do great. So we welcome people of all genders and that's the truth. So entrepreneurs, specifically women entrepreneurs, if you are listening to this and you want to start a business or you're getting started with your business and you need help, you need advice, you need coaching, you need a ride or die, we're here for it. Come to iFund Women, click on Get Coaching, and sign up for a plan. They are very inexpensive and well worth it. So that's number one. Start with that for women entrepreneurs. Um, Okay, funders, individual funders, go to iFund Women, go to Fund Startups, and find a crowdfunding campaign to support. There's tens of thousands of businesses raising capital. We have everything from farm to table restaurants to deep data companies. So, and, you know, and there's, you can focus on things in your local area. We get hyper local targeting, all the things. So fund startups. Okay. Enterprises. Apparently you have like all these AWS people. Hi, AWS. We love you. Uh, We want your money. Uh, We really do. Um, Yeah. So AWS, uh, do you want customers? So this is actually interesting. Uh, Amazon, do you want merchants? Like we got them for you. So let's talk. We do need enterprise funding for women entrepreneurs has changed the funding landscape. That has been the thing. And so like, thank you to Visa. Thank you to Unilever. Thank you to P&G Ventures. Thank you to Comcast. You know, all of these incredible institutions who have been funding hundreds of millions of dollars through iFund Women, like, thank you. We are just getting started. So for any brand that's listening to this and wants to drive customers into your uh, sales funnel, 
we got them for you. Women make 80% of the household purchasing decisions. Our entrepreneurs are high household income, highly educated. They are the best and the brightest women. They're going to like make the decision about the home loan and also make the decision about their small business loan. So our people are valuable and we want to work with you brands. There's my commercial. There we go. There we go. There you go. Funding Barbie is done. <laughs> funding, funding, and and let's let's get it. You know, it's like I'm trying to do my my Howard Dean impersonation. Like we're gonna we're gonna get all the funding uh, possible. All the all the money for all the women now. That's my hashtag, Eric. I love it. It really is. It's so long. All the money for all the women right now. Right now. Exactly. Exactly. Right now. Karen, uh, it's been a, a true pleasure uh, having you on the podcast, dropping uh, a lot of wisdom, a lot of inspiration, a lot of action. Um, you know, it's 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 great to have the inspiration, the wisdom, and then have that meet with uh, with action and how to follow up and engage with all the great work you and your team are doing. So, Karen, again, pleasure uh, for having uh, you again, so much for on. having me. Yeah, absolutely, you know, it's it's always great to have a fellow Essex County. Yes, I know. And there we go. And, and, and was, a second one, a, a second one in, in two consecutive weeks. You know, I had Mindy. I know you had Mindy, my girl Mindy. Mindy's, I love it. Uh, Essex County represent. I, I love it. There, there needs to be like a, some sort of follow up uh, conversation where we can have everybody uh, on, on the show. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, Eric, and I will see you guys soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.